Um, well, it is Memorial Weekend. We never know. It's no rhyme or reason. A lot of people vacationing. Angie and I just got back from vacation, so can you see my wonderful tan? Or my beautiful freckles, I guess you'd call them angel kisses is what I was always told by my grandmother. And so I was kissed a lot by the angels while we slept. Um, <laughs> we slept on the beach and uh, applied a lot of sunscreen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, listen, today I want to ask you a question as I begin. What kind of life are you building? What kind of life are you building today? What kind of career? What kind of marriage? What kind of family? What kind of relationship with God? What kind of life are you building today? And are you building a life where you would look back on it with some regrets? Are you building a life that you look back on with much joy? You know, are there things that you would... Uh, change that you would, if you will, as the prophet Jeremiah, uh, the moment that came where God spoke into his life that he had been ordained as a prophet to the nations and there was a word spoken to him that I believe is to all of us where life is concerned because none of us get everything right. Amen? None of us get everything right. We all make mistakes. There are things that, that happen that, that oftentimes we find ourselves having to do like the prophet Jeremiah where we root up, we pull down, we tear down, and we destroy. We discover sometimes really that it has to do with the foundation that we've built them upon. And what's the basis of the thought? What's the basis of the decisions that we make? Is the basis selfishness? Is the basis, you know, uh, greed? Is the basis the works of the flesh or is the basis the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, I know Jeremiah talked about patience and he talked about the fruit of the Spirit last week. You know, are we building a life upon the foundation of God's word so that it will stand, it will stand in the face of every circumstance, every situation that this life has to offer, or are we building it on the sinking sand, the shifting sand, if you will? Jesus told a parable about a wise man and a foolish man, and he said that there was a wise man and he built his house upon a rock, but a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And of course, when the storms came, the house that was built upon the sand was washed away. The house that was built upon the rock, it stood. What kind of life are you building today? I want to read to us out of first, uh, John 1, 1 through 5 this morning. Building a life on God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Do you believe that this morning? The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Do you believe that this morning? Hmm. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Do you believe that today? Because all the decisions that we make in building our life will either go back to our creator or they'll come to ourselves. In other words, uh, God, see, he knew the end from the beginning. Because he knew the end from the beginning, the way that God established creation is that any time that we go to the creator, any time we go to his truth, to his word, and we build our life upon his word, what happens is we're building our life in a way that will stand in the midst of any storm that comes our way. That was a great place to say amen. We've got some folks in here, I guess you guys don't experience any storms. 
We all experience storms, and when we build our life upon the, the rock, Jesus Christ, that's what the Bible calls him, he is the rock of our salvation. He is a, a, he is a, a, a fortress that the righteous run into. When you think about a fortress, what is a fortress? It's basically a bunch of rock solidified together to make a, a, a place of safety that cannot be penetrated. And when we build our life upon the rock of God's word, what happens is we can run into the safety of all his word has to offer and build a life that is only influenced by him. It, it might encounter different situations in life, but it is influenced by God, not those situations. And therefore, we can stand, as, as it says in the book of Ephesians, having done all to stand, we do what? We stand therefore. As Paul the Apostle said, none of these things move me, not height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, or things above or things beneath. None of these things move me. Why? He was set on the foundation of Jesus Christ in his life, the word of God, that Jesus was with God. The Word was with God in the beginning, and it was God, and the Word became flesh. It dwelt among men. For what reason? So that that truth might be manifest in us through a relationship with Him. So the first uh, thing that I would uh, submit to us today, there's a fill in the blank on your, on your notes there. You need to take this home because I promise you if you'll build your life on the Word of God, you're going to have a much better life, and you're going to have one that's sustained over a life that gives way, you know, goes to the right, goes to the left, it's over here one day, it's over there the next day. Can't make your mind up what you want to do, can't come into agreement as a husband and wife, can't come into agreement you know, you're with your friends, you can't come into agreement. Everybody's divided, why? Because everybody's gone their own way. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've gone our own way. And when we're gone our own way, unity is hard to achieve. Do you know that the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Unity? That where we're in the Word of God, somehow God unifies us. He'll unify us in our relationships, and He'll unify us you know, as a church. He'll unify us in friendships. He'll unify us, you know, not with the world, but with His revelation. We are unified so that we become an influence of the kingdom of God in the world that we live in. So the first principle there would be that the Bible is alive. I ask you if you believe three things in that passage. All three of those things would lead to believing that the Bible is alive. It's not some, just some history book that collected dust, dust on the shelf and one day it got pulled off and everybody started, hey, we could do this this way instead. It is a book that is living. It's alive. Listen to this right here in John 6, 6 3, 63. Excuse me. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. That's Jesus saying, the words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Whatever your situation, if you go to the word of God and you believe the word of God is alive, it will speak to you in your situation. It will condemn that and bring the revelation and the reality of all that God's word is offering you. If you're sick, it will bring, come on now. Well, we got some folks in here that know better than that. If you're sick, it will bring, if you're poor, it will bring, 
Riches, wealth, yeah, you know, interchangeable. Fine. If you're lost, it will. Y'all know the word pretty well. I could keep going there. You understand that at that moment, it's like if people are wandering in a lost state, in a confused state, if they go to the word of God, it has the answers of life. That's what Jesus is saying here. Not the flesh. Then all of a sudden my situation and I, you know, fear starts to enter into your situation. You start to fear that this is happening or that's going to happen or this is going to happen. I might lose my job. This may happen and that may happen, you know. The doctor said this and so I'm probably going to die from this thing. Now, let me, let me say this. I'm not saying there isn't sickness and I'm not saying there isn't poverty. I'm saying that God has called you to live above and not beneath. He's called you the head and not the... You see what I'm saying? Doesn't mean that we don't go through it, but here's what we know. Because the Word of God is alive, He'll bring us through it to a different place than we are. Because God knows the end from the beginning. His Word gives us clear direction on how we can build our life on His Word. Everything uh, in the beginning, right? And you go, you go Genesis and you go Revelation. God knew Genesis while he's writing Revelation. In heaven, all this is already done, but there's a timeline that it manifests in the earth. God already knew. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you, the Bible says. And here's what it goes on to say, that he ordained. Somebody say ordained. ordained. Now I want you to say set you apart. Let's do it this way. Set me apart. Say, set me apart. God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and he set you apart for a purpose. He knew all of that. So he knew over here about your life. Does that mean God steps in and says, I'm going to make your decisions for you? No. He knew this, and he also knows every decision you'll make, right and wrong. And you know what he's doing? He's always there, just like he was with Israel. Here's what he says to Israel. Hey, uh, I'm going to deliver you from the land of Egypt, from the Egyptians, so on and so forth. He delivers them, and here's what I've promised you. They get to the promised land. A bunch of them see giants. You know the 12 spies? You know, how many thoughts do you have in a day? And how many thoughts come in sounding like Joshua and Caleb, and how many come in sounding like the other 10 spies? How many of your thoughts, how many of the spies, when you spy out the land and you're thinking about what your life and your future looks like in Christ, how many voices are you listening to? What are the voices you're listening to? When you turn on the news or you watch TV or you listen to somebody that's talking at the workplace or maybe at lunch or whatever it may be and you're hearing those voices and the things and the thoughts that are being shared are forming and laying a foundation that you then build your life on all of a sudden when it starts to sink in those difficult moments in your life because it's not been founded upon God's sure word there's only one place to go root up pull down tear down destroy basically dig it all out and go back to the word of God and lay the foundation of what his word why because if you can get the foundation right if you, can, if you can connect with the one who know, knew you before you were formed, knows the end from the beginning, then what happens is, is he'll inspire you in your decisions and your choices by going to the word, say the word, 
You go to the word, and now the word becomes what? The lamp. I love that scripture more than, I think it's my favorite scripture. I, I love John three sixteen. I love that I've been saved. I love all those things. But I love the passage that says, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It lights every step I take, and it keeps my focus clear on where God's called me to go. Each moment, I look where I step, I look where I'm going, I look where I step, I look where I'm going. Those decisions become so much easier when I can go to God's word and say, what does the word of God say about this? What does the word of God say about my marriage? What does the word of God say about where I should live? What does the word, it it doesn't say, Derek, Angie, move to, uh, you know, uh, Spain. Where's Angie at? She got the baby today? She's in Spain. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Where was I? It may not give me those specifics, but here's what happens. I get the specific of knowing this, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know what the Bible says? That God is not afar off, but he's very near. The Bible says nigh, meaning near to me. As long as if I seek him, I find him. Uh, when I When I... A knock the door is going to be open when I search. See, these are all scriptures that tell me how to pursue God and keep myself close to Him. I don't have to worry about God staying close to me. You know what I got to worry about? I got to worry about staying close to God. But if I can be close to God, what happens in, that, in the midst of that communion is I get to hear what Isaiah said. You will hear a voice behind you saying, Anybody? This is the way. Walk in it. And what is that? Somebody say way. way. Now say Derek. Derek in the Hebrew actually means way. Isn't that cool? I love my name. Furthermore, it means way of God. Another translation, path of God. So every time, Derek in the house, Derek, Derek, way of God, way of God, way of God. Now I'm not the way. Jesus is the way. But what was proclaimed over me over and over and over and over again was way of God, go the way of God. Live the... So it, it's, it's no small wonder that in my life, that's become the most important thing to me is that understanding that he knew me in my, before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew my end from the beginning, and that every time my name is called, I'm just looking for the path of God in my life. Anybody come on now? What are you looking for? What kind of life are you building? We have to know ourselves. We have to know what is our point. Where am I actually at? What kind of a life am I building? So that when I go to the Word of God, I've got that ability to say, what does the Word of God say about this decision in my life? What does the Word of God say about this decision in my life? And when I do that, and I, and I get a revelation of what His Word saying, all of a sudden, my path becomes sure. My footing, you understand, sure footing? I have a rock to stand on. The Word of God is a rock. That if I get an answer from the Word of God and it says this, circumstance may look this way, but I can trust God's Word over what the circumstance is telling me. Very, very important for us to understand. So what does that bring us to? Talking about the end from the beginning, we're going to actually start with the end of what Uh, In building a life on the Word of God, we're going to start with the end and then work to the beginning of what we need to be doing. So first and foremost, faith activates the Word. Faith activates the Word. Hebrews 4.2, 
For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Anybody ever work around concrete? How many of you know you got to have the right mix for it to set up and be solid? Come on. I worked in concrete enough to know this. If you don't have the right mix, it's going to crumble, and it's not going to hold up what's being built on it. If you don't get the right mix in your walk with God, look, without faith, come on, somebody, it's impossible to please God. You can't please him without faith. When you come to him, it's like, oh, well, I heard they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I heard they found this architectural. I, I, they found Noah's Ark, so now I can believe. So you got some object that says, oh, well, the Bible says this happened, and now that I've got that, I've got proof, therefore now I can believe in God. You know what? Here's the thing. When Jesus was expounding to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and as he's continuing to teach them, even after he resurrected from the, the dead, he continued to teach them. Do you know that in that process, there was a point where he said, even if, even if a man came back from the dead, they won't believe. <laughs> Basically, that was a fact. Now, I understand how it can warp the mind, but in that moment, in that time, Jesus resurrected from the dead. He's walking around talking to, by the way, it's not just a few disciples we're talking there's the 120, and we know that there goes on, and there's even more, even when he ascended, that there was multiple disciples that were in the area, and they see and witness Jesus. Fact, that, that over years' time, what happens over decades and over centuries is people want to teach it away and teach it away and teach it away. But why do you believe today? Do you believe because you heard that Noah's Ark was found? Do you believe because somebody shared a scientific fact with you about creation? Or do you believe because the Spirit of God came into your heart, listen, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, that he brought your dead spirit back to life and faith entered you. Faith rose on the inside of you and you said, I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know that he died because I heard him call my name. When I said heard, it's not like a thunderous voice from heaven. Cassie Lesneski, I'm calling you. Some of you have had the privilege of hearing Cassie speak. And I brought that into this because I remember the first time I shared and Cassie was in the room. Uh, there was a friend that was there of yours. I asked her if she wanted to give her life to Jesus. She said yes, right? She gave her heart to the Lord, and I turned to Cassie. You want to give your heart to Jesus? She went, no. I said, okay, that's your choice. It wasn't scientific fact. She began, though, to watch. Am I right on that? You begin to watch the people. Who are they? She began to see the love of Christ. Am I correct on that part of your testimony? Begin to see the love of Christ in people. And her moment was because of a revelation of Jesus Christ to her. Your moment was because of a revelation of Jesus Christ to you. My moment was because of a revelation of Jesus Christ. I might have heard somebody preach, and therefore faith rose in my heart. We'll get to that in a minute. I read some of the Word of God, and faith began to rise in my heart and believe what the Word said. And I started seeing the results of what God's Word 
said in those areas. You hear where I'm coming from, saints? Faith activates the word. Without faith, the word's not that mix. It's got to be the right mix, the right conditions for it to come forth. Hmm. I heard one time that basically faith is living on the brink of disaster in need of a miracle. <laughs> Let me say it again. Faith is living on the brink of disaster in need of a miracle. In other words, when you can't answer it yourself. Look, what did Jesus say in the, in the first part of it? He, he says this, that not born of flesh, but of spirit. And that God's word is life itself. So when you finally come to the end of yourself, in your circumstance, in your situation, and you begin to call upon God, would you? All of a sudden, faith now, on the brink of your destruction, on your brink of your circumstances, when you call out to him, what you seek him, all of a sudden you find him. You're knocking and then the door gets opened and then all that God has to offer is so much better than what you can do yourself. So, the end of that, God wants us to have faith in what his word declares, but to get to that place, we have to have a revelation. So the second thing is revelation activates faith. A revelation will activate faith. Faith activates the word of God in your life, but a revelation of God's word is what activates faith. Listen to this, Luke 1, 34 through 38. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Word of God. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, watch, testimony of somebody else who had an impossible situation. Testimony of someone else. So you hear a story about someone else where it worked for them. And guess what? If it worked for them, it can certainly work for you. That's the power of testimony is it causes faith to rise in our heart. Listen to this. It moves us from a place of question to revelation. Watch this. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Beyond childbearing is what some passages say. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, watch, revelation moment. This is the aha moment. Say aha. Am I talking too loud this morning? Okay. It's the aha moment, that revelation moment. Behold, you're maid serv- the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She moves from questioning to a moment of acceptance. Out of a place of testimony, her, her uh, uh, cousin Elizabeth is pregnant beyond the age of childbearing and she's pregnant it's like hey you know what if that happened for her it can happen for me and that moment of revelation we know moved mary into a place of faith that guess what it brought the manifestation of god's word not not a small manifestation mind you the holy one who would be called the son of god manifestation of god's word in this earth come on that was good better than you're letting on Number three, meditation then activates revelation. So, so we're, moving, we're moving from the end. God wants you, see, to live in an active faith of what his word declares. To do that, you need a revelation of what God's word speaks. 
and it'll activate the faith. And to get to the place of revelation, we got to meditate. Meditation uh, activates revelation. Joshua 1, 7 through 8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Wait a minute, from your eyes, right? From your what? From your mouth. There's a passage in Scripture in the book of James that says that that, uh, the power, if you will, that exists in the tongue we call things into existence. We call those things that aren't as though they were, if you will. You go to the Old Testament, and, and, it, and it talks about um, that, that what we speak will come into existence. And, and when you get to that place of meditating on the Word to the point to where meditation, by the way, is not just I think, I think, I think, I think. The word there is muse. Say Muse. You know that that actually means that you're actually kind of that quiet meditation where you're, you're speaking it. You begin to quote it. You begin to, it becomes the very thing that fills your mouth, not a circumstance. You see your circumstance, and then what happens is, is that word that you read in the Bible comes to mind, and then you speak that over the situation. And you call the thing that isn't, though it were, and by faith, the activation of that faith, what happens is, is it changes that moment it changes that situation mary's not pregnant hasn't known a man gets a revelation (laughs) why because she's been in the word of god enough she knows the word of god and because she's been in the word of god she's able to receive a revelation which activates faith which brings about the fulfillment of the word of god with us you see the relationship there if you're never in the word how will you ever hear God speak to you by his word, how you get a revelation. And if you don't have a revelation, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Listen to this. Uh, so let me, let me go back to this. I didn't finish that scripture. Joshua 1, 7 through 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it uh, day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So there's the action to what is being spoken based upon what the thoughts are. Then you will be. Say then. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So a life built on God's word then, right here in Matthew 7, 24, it says it this way in the Message Bible. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. It's not just happenstance that this is added to your life. They're not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Once again, we're back to that parable that Jesus told. If we build the word of God into our life, what we're doing is we're establishing the solid foundation for everything else then that is built upon that in our life. Decisions, relationships, how we spend our money, how we save our money, how we earn our money. Come on now. All those things that are they moral or amoral, it's like actually they are servant to you. You're not servant to them. See, serving the one true God, here's what happens. I bow before God and everything else then gets to bow before me. Why? Because I'm bowed before the one that set my life right. Nothing else owns, why, I'm owned by God. Nothing else can own me. 
Therefore, when I'm owned by the right one, my creator, everything else in my life then is submitted to me. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, Angie's submitted to me all the time. She is, but, you know, doesn't mean all my friends are submitted to There's relationship, but what I'm saying is, is the, the things in life, the circumstance, all of that then is in a place to where how I see God in my life now becomes the perspective I have of it. How do you think God sees sickness? How do you think he sees depression? Hmm? How does he see anger, hate, strife, division? How does God look at those things? Y'all feeling it today? See, how I look at those things, in other words, how do I let them in my life? Do they govern me or do I govern them? Does your anger ever get the best of you? You getting me here? If things get the best of us, then I would submit, if circumstance and things get the best of us, I would submit to all of us that we're not building our life on the right foundation. The foundation of God's word says that, no, those things have to submit to the God I serve. The only way that's possible is if we meditate on God's word. We have a revelation so that when we look at that circumstance, we have the faith to know that God can intervene in our situation. Otherwise, they're just words. Takes us back to the original thought. Do you believe today that God's word is alive? So a life built on God's word then, number one, I must accept its authority. For this to work, I have to accept the authority of God's word. That it's primary. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 We also thank God continually because when we received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. If you believe God's word, if you believe that it is the best way to build your life, then it will work in your life. You getting me? You ever hear somebody say, well, I tried that and it didn't work for me? Yeah, trying God doesn't normally, you know, let me say it this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? So I'm going to approach God. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to try you out. You know, I'm going to come. I'm going to go. Look, man, I'm going to do it like Missouri. I'm from the show me state, and you're going to have to show me. And if you don't show me, then I don't believe. God's like, yeah, let's see how that works out for you. Because he's above and we're beneath. See, the verb, accept it. I have to accept it because if I don't accept it, what happens is, is I'm, I'm trying to put God down here and me up here. And that never works with God. Satan tried it. He got to that moment, I'm going to be up here. And God's like, no, actually, here's what's going to happen to you, buddy. <laughs> Stripped. How'd that work for Adam and Eve when they'll be as God? That's the, that is the number one lie. And it has been peddled ever since the beginning of creation. And you want to know the crazy thing about it? This is how gullible we can be. We keep biting on it. Like, I'll take control of my life. 
I will be as God. No, just submit yourself, accept God's word to be the best guide. Seek him, pray to him, and ask him to work in your life. And trust that even when you don't get the answer you want, that God is good. (laughs) And he's doing good by you. And that maybe, like Jeremiah shared last week, it just takes a little patience. How many of you kids you know, throw themselves on the ground, throw the temper tantrum to get what they want, and you're like, yeah, I'm giving you everything you want every time you do that? <laughs> that might be why this generation doesn't seek God is because, you know, there's an entitlement aspect that's there because we'll just give everybody, you know, eventually that runs out. It doesn't work. You end up with nothing but a godless Selfish people who will come to nothing. Israel did it. Do you know that Israel turned to God would be blessed, turned away from God would lose everything, and be enslaved. And if you don't think that we're enslaved as Americans, just look at the national debt right now. Borrower, the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. We're slave to China right now. Sorry, but, you know, and it's like, you anti-American? No, I love America. Let's stop doing that. What do you say? Let's stop being a slave to others by, by recognizing that we need to, to live our life according to God's ways, not our own. Amen? Hmm. Do you know that the funny thing is, is you can't borrow, borrow, borrow into blessing. Look, look down at your papers and write it down right now. Look down at your papers, write it down. I cannot borrow my way into blessing. This is too serious, isn't it? <laughs> we can't borrow our way into blessing. The borrower becomes slave to the lender. And Jesus died on the cross to set us free. It's like, Pastor, you're saying that I can not take out any loans. I can't. Look, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you really need to seek God for those decisions in your life. That the best decisions you'll ever make is to get God's word on where you should go, what you should do, how you should do it. Amen? And by the way, I would add why you should do it. So, I have to accept the authority of God's word. Number two, I must assimilate its truth. I must assimilate its truth. What good is it to to know it and not assimilate it? So how do I do that? By listening to God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Read it out loud. Even when a a sermon's preached to you, when you're talking to one another, that when you hear the Word of God come forth, what it does is it hits you in a different way than when you read it and you're mentally focused and meditating on it. You hear the Word of God spoken, and there's something about the spoken Word of God. And here's the other side of that. It's not just the people that are around you and they speak it, but it comes down to God speaking it to you. Ask him, God, speak to me by your spirit as I read your word, as I meditate upon your word. Speak your word to me because I know faith will come as I hear you speak. Luke 18 says it this way. So be careful how you listen. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. In other words, Whatever truth you come into, protect it because you can forget about it. Proof, plenty of stories in the Bible. You can go back and read them. Israel knew, had a revelation of something, believed that truth, 
and all of a sudden got focused on everything else in their life, got that, you know, the first, put it ahead, and next thing you know, they're losing the revelation of all that God is in their life. Kind of like America. Judeo-Christian values founded on the truths of God's word, and we have a society that's trying to rip them out of everything around us. Make no mistake about it. You can go read the history lessons for that one, and you'll find out God won't leave us, but we certainly can leave him. And when we do, it's a bad day. Deuteronomy, uh, hey, Deuteronomy um, um, 8, uh, 18, I believe, says, It's he who gives you the power to get wealth that you might establish his covenant on the earth. That anybody that's ever been a covenant establisher for the kingdom of God, go back to Israel, you go, look, you take Abraham, who was blessed, and what did he do? He gave a tithe to Melchizedek, which is Jesus was called, according to the, uh, the order of the priest of Mel- priesthood of Melchizedek, a priest unto us forevermore. He was called according to the order of Melchizedek. And, and Melchizedek was the one that Abraham tithed to when he had a victory. What was that all about? That was all about him saying, huh, not the stuff, because other kings around him like, look at Abraham and how great he is. And he's like, that no one else would think that they did this for me or I did it for myself. Let me go ahead and tithe to the one who establishes me and makes me strong. Deuteronomy 8, 8, 8 verse 18. It's he who gives you the power to get wealth. To do what? It's God who makes me strong. What Abraham proclaimed made him a covenant establisher. Is to tell all, look, it's not me and it's not you. It is God who did this for me. So he'll give power to get wealth. Why? Because he wants you to make you the head and not the tail. But to remain the head and not the tail, you got to keep God at the head. <laughs> you got to keep him on top. It's called headship. Say headship. headship. Here's what headship is. Anybody got an umbrella today? It's nice and sunny out. No reason to have an umbrella in Colorado, right? I say that because Angie and I are in Cancun enjoying the sun. Wow, whatever happened? It's, somebody said all hail broke loose, you know. And it was nuts, shredded the trees and everything. But this is what it is to keep God in headship over your life. It's like an umbrella. It covers you. He protects you. He takes care of you. You get him out of that, it's like being in a hailstorm without an umbrella. It hurts. Hmm. Are you getting anything out of this? Some of you looking at me, you know, like, man. By reading God's word, by reading God's word, Matthew, Matthew 4 and verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a sermon I preached years ago called The Proceeding Word of God. You can read the scriptures, and there's a meditating and a training of the mind. There's nothing like a rhema, word of God. Say rhema. rhema. Say logos. logos. Logos means the written word of God. Rhema means the spoken word of God. And when I read the logos, there's nothing like the moment when the spirit of God breathes upon that. And he causes that to be a rhema, word of God. Now, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. When the children of Israel were starving in the wilderness, and they're hungry, and they want food, and they're complaining, and they're moaning and groaning. And sometimes we can moan and groan about the circumstances and the challenges and the problems of life when really what we need to do is pray, not complain. 
Because while they complained, Moses went and prayed to God. And when he prayed, all of a sudden, it was like a mist came into the, the camp of Israel. And it sat down, and it was this light, fluffy, what it was, it was bread. It was, man, it was called manna. The reason why it was called manna, if you don't know the meaning of that word, manna, it means manifest. Here, here's the meaning of that. You ready for the meaning of that? Say, Pastor. I'm trying to keep you engaged here. Say, Pastor. I'm ready for the meaning of that. It means what is it? That was profound, huh? That, that stuff set down and they're like, what is it? I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, they're looking at each other and it's kind of like, I don't know, but I'm starving to death and it looks different than anything else that's around. And so somebody had to try it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and actually it was considered to be better bread than any man could make. And so they, you can imagine when that moment happened, you know, can you imagine the kids out in that one? If you've ever seen your kids like at the dinner table, you know, and they couldn't keep it for the next day. They couldn't store it up. The manifestation, see, there's the written word of God, trusting that his word is a rock, and you can go to it. But as you do and you meditate upon it, you're calling upon him to bring it to life in you. It's living. It's living. But are you living in the life of God's word? Is that life, if you, if you could say, soaking into all that you are so that the Spirit is leading, not the flesh. So that the fruit of the Spirit is manifesting, not the works of the flesh. Hmm. By reading God's Word, get that preceding Word. And the third thing under assimilating the truths is by exploring God's Word. It's different than just reading it. That's that moment, like, you know, you're studying something out. It's like you got a situation. I mean, you've ever, you know, had a situation that was impossible and you started looking in the Bible for every scripture that said how that situation was dealt with with somebody else in the Bible. All these were for our examples, if you will. And you start like, okay, the Bible says this here about my kids, how to raise them. The Bible says this here. They're acting crazy. What do I do about that? Come on. <laughs> yes, my kids have acted crazy raising them. And, and, and not all the time, but when they did, it's like, what does the Bible tell me to do? Spare the rods, pull the child, get in here, I'm going to beat you within it. No, you're like, <laughs> I will not spare the rod if you all don't behave right. It's like, whoop, snap, we'll behave right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's kind of one of those things. You can find an answer for every, I'm telling you, every situation in your life in the Scriptures. So Psalms 119.11 says this, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's another one of my favorite. And the reason why is because that I'm searching out the scriptures so that I'm aware that I might not. Understand the psalmist said that I might not. You know, everybody, you know, when you got saved, you're perfect from that point. You never messed up again, right? The psalmist says, <laughs> I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That when a situation arises that might grieve the heart of God, I will be aware because your word I've explored it. I've searched it out. Oh, man, the Word of God says this about this. I've never really dealt with that, but it says that. And when that moment arises, there it is. Or a moment arises, and I'm like, scratch my head. I don't know what to do about this. I wonder if the Bible says something about that. And I start searching the Bible. I'm like, wow, the Bible says a lot about that. And all of a sudden, what am I doing? I'm going back to the foundation so that what I build upon it is strong. Amen.
In closing today, everything I've shared with you about building a life on the Word of God, building a life on God's Word is not easy. It will take work, but life will be easier if you build it on the Word of God. So to do that, there's really only one way. There's only one way. When you hear it, don't ignore it. When you hear God's Word, when you read it and it speaks to your heart, don't ignore it. Here's what uh, we must do. We must apply its principles. We must apply the principles of God's Word to our life then. James 1.22 says it this way. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's simple on that. That we can hear the Word of God, we can read the Word of God, and just because we do that, it's like, okay, I'm doing my Christian duty, or I, I, you know, I'm taking and doing those things that, that on the outside, they're the right things to do as a Christian. But today, what kind of life are you building? What are the things that, like Jeremiah the prophet, that you'd root up, pull down, tear down, and destroy? And if given the opportunity, what's the new things you'd build and you'd plant in your life? Would it look different? Would it look different? Would you stand to your feet with me this morning?